Welcome to the Karma Dentistry Podcast. Today we're talking with Johan Choi and Barat Agarol. They're both uh, from Australia. Um, I will first give an introduction of both of them and Frank and I prepared some, uh, 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 some, some questions. Um, Johan completed his studies at the University of Queensland in uh, 2013 and he's now the owner of Canada Bay Dental. Um, he um, uh, does a lot of aesthetic dentistry. Um, what I saw from his website, and I don't know if it's if it's uh, up to date, but he's currently undertaking a master's in clinical dentistry and removal of fixed prosthodontics uh, in, at King's College in London. I don't know if, if you're still doing that or you already finished that. Uh, I, I was supposed to be finished last year, but I deferred. I got I got lazy, so I deferred a year. So I'm supposed to finish this year if everything ah, goes to plan. So if everything goes back yes. to normal. Okay. Yeah. Well, Johan does. Uh, Johan does 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 a lot of uh, complex cosmetic and reconstructive dentistry, and he also lectures and teaches around Australia in the areas of aesthetics and natural cosmetic restorations. Um, uh, Barat, he grew up in Melbourne, um, and he's now, uh, called the sunny coast, his home for over 14 years now. He studied at, uh, he studied dentistry at Griffith University in Queensland, and he graduated in 2012, if I'm correct, uh, from your LinkedIn account. 2010. 2010 even. Okay, great. Um, and. And, and Barat is truly passionate about the art of dentistry and has completed a master's in aesthetic dentistry, also at King's College in London. Um, and he also did a postgraduate diploma in the management of advanced uh, aesthetics and restorative dentistry to the Academy of Dental Excellence. Um, I had the honor to meet Bar Bar uh, Barat already at the Tokoyama Kiyopin Leader Meeting in Tokyo in May 2019. Um, well, guys, thank you for being here on the show. Uh, is there anything that I missed? Something that that is crucial to your to your resume? So, Brett started off as a hygienist earlier in his <laughs> career, and then he decided to be a dentist. I think you guys forgot that because if you look at the first degree Brett completed, it was as a hygi hygienist. Yeah, isn't that right, Brett? It's completely incorrect, Johan. But I appreciate you bringing that up. But <laughs> <laughs> I think you nailed the introduction. I do like the fact that you um, stress that Johan is still completing his masters. Um, the point of I think it's a point of pain for him that he's so lazy and often probably so unmotivated that he can't even get to writing his thesis at this point, which he probably should be doing right now instead of um, sitting here chatting yeah. to us. Yeah, I think you. I think you nailed all the points there, Martin. That was that was excellent. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> nice. Um, start. Okay. Um, uh, I will ask the question. You can uh, you can both answer. Um, uh, but um, when did you know you wanted to become a dentist? Did you? Are you going to answer first, Brad, or should I? Uh, mate, you take it. You go for it. Oh, I. I guess. In Australia, like as an ethnic, you know, you don't get many choices in terms of occupations um, that you can really choose from, right? Uh, maybe Barat is the same, but for me growing up, you know, as an, uh, being from an immigrant family, you know, you sort of get the choices of you're either going to become a lawyer, 
doctor, dentist, or an engineer. So out of them, originally I wanted to become a doctor, but it was, you know, really my final year where, you know, mum sort of sat me down and said, you know, you, you've got the grades to go into everything, but do you want to waste the best years of your life being a resident and intern? And I sort of said, hmm you know, probably not. So for me, it wasn't, you know, that I particularly was passionate about it when I went in, um, you know, and so it was really, you know, me thinking about my quality of life and the lifestyle factors associated with dentistry. And I've been so surprised that I've actually become so passionate and I enjoy dentistry so much, you know, now. What about you, Brett? Um, yeah, very similar. So it was always, I guess, growing up, it was, yeah, be, be, grow up, be a doctor, work hard. Um, and I guess for me, I did, I did some work experience in like year 10, year nine at high school. Uh, a friend of mine, his dad was a dentist. So I actually went in and observed him and I thought it was really, I guess I hadn't really considered it up, up until then. And it was really quite cool sort of watching, I guess what he was doing day in, day out, some of the impact that he was having on his patients' lives. And um, I guess it sort of brought that to the forefront a little bit to start considering doing dentistry as well. And then I guess, again, had sort of the grades to do it and kind of went into it not really knowing what I was getting myself into and it's really interesting I always think back to in Australia you have to you know have to get a certain grade to get into dentistry but then you have to do this thing called the UMAT which is some sort of aptitude test that looks at your I guess critical thinking ability and then you do an interview and I always think back to the interview that I did getting into dentistry and I, and I think of like I guess how much I didn't know about dentistry when I sat that interview and I always feel so blessed that I actually somehow got the opportunity to get in because I feel like if I was interviewing myself now I would tell the 18 year old self to go back and really reconsider if this is the right thing for you because I had no idea um, and for me I'm very similar to Johan I, I didn't really sort of I guess fall in love or understand what I was getting myself into probably till third year in dentistry and um, I think it was third year where it's sort of the tipping point where I said this is this is really interesting. I actually really enjoy learning about it and sort of just committed like 110% to sort of, yeah, trying to be the best I could. So yeah, that was, that was sort of my, that, that, the third year was when you started your dental studies, right? Not you finished your hygiene and you started your dentistry. <laughs> right? uh, <laughs> <correct>, but <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> But um, um, but none of you has a um, as a dentist in the family or a father or a brother sister. Uh... No, I think uh, both of us we have. You go on, Brent. Yeah, my my youngest sister is a dentist now. Okay. So, um, but when I started, yeah, no one in the family uh, was a dentist. Actually, not yeah. even not even like any distant relatives. Actually, okay. Yeah, my and... little sister is actually in dental school at the moment as well. Oh, nice. But, um, did, did you yeah, I, think, I think we... Did you inspire your sisters? Yeah. I don't think I'm an inspiration to anyone, you know, <laughs> uh, at least my sister. Uh, no, I think it was one of those things where she, she had similar, you know, the same parents as I did, so she didn't get too many choices in terms of what she was <laughs> going to be as well. But, um, you know, I guess probably maybe the career choice was forced upon her a little bit more, saying, hey, your brother's a dentist, he's got a practice. Yes, so, you know, this least... may be a cushy, yeah, cushy <laughs> job for you in the future. Yeah. <laughs> and if you, and, and, and if you can, uh... probably inspired your own sister to get into dentistry. That's, that's what I, <laughs> and, and, um, if you look back right now and you would, and if you wanted to do, if you, uh, if you one day say, okay, I'm going to quit dentistry, what is the thing that 
you want to do uh, apart from what your parents want you to do? I wouldn't do anything else at the moment now, okay. to be honest. Um, you know, I, you I to, think if you well, had I'm to very quit. lucky. If I had to quit, yeah. uh, professional Instagrammer, Martin. <laughs> Influencer. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> um, what about you, Bert? <laughs> I think, um, oh, look, I think probably if, if I had to quit dentistry and I could do anything and I could still be good at it i wouldn't say that i i could i'm good at it if i did this right now but i'd love to be like a photographer or you know maybe some sort of graphic designer you know someone in living in that world you know doing yeah. that kind of stuff that's what i really enjoy so it would okay. still be the bxy the social media influencer extravaganza right yeah. right <laughs> nothing <laughs> will change <laughs> nothing will change only the topic okay um, yeah. And um, um, during your dental school, because uh, when when you were younger, you didn't have any um, any mentors or anyone who inspired you to, to become a dentist. But when you were in dental school, was there someone there that inspired you and um, and gave you the passion that you have right now? I I personally find that I'm really easily influenced. Like I will see the people around me and if someone's doing something really amazing then i'll sort of latch on and learn as much as i can from those people so for me during dental school um our like my dental school was big on perio like we had a perio department and we had some really amazing um amazing lecturers in perio um who have gone on done like some really brilliant things and probably some of the world leaders in, in perio and i think for me when i was going through dental school i was really highly inspired and I wanted to become a periodontist. Like that's all I wanted to do. And I think that was probably just proximity. You know, just I was like, this mm -hmm. is, yeah. these people are so amazing. They're doing such great work. I just want to do this. And then when I was in fourth year, we actually had a, oh, I think it might've been third year, we had a traveling prosthodontist from the UK who was spending a bit of time in Australia. And actually it wasn't a prosthodontist at the time. He just really liked restorative dentistry. And I think he was actually surprisingly a really big influence in third year because he was teaching me things like how to make a floss ligature um, or, you know, how to do a complex, you know, cuspal coverage restoration. When I was in third year, I didn't even know how to do a occlusal filling, but he was talking about these concepts. And for me, it was really exciting to go, okay, this is, there's more to dentistry um, than that. And I think probably the tipping point was, and this is again, really random where I sort of started falling in love with restorative a little bit more was one of our, tutors showed us a video it was just a, it was really just like an online must have been like a webinar kind of thing where Pascal Mania was talking about polychromatic layering of composite restorations and I had never even thought about this concept before I just thought a feeling was you get you pick your shade you take your a2 or your a3 and a half and you squeeze it in and that that's what you do that restorations are made from one color that's it and I think that blew my mind when I was like there is I can't believe you can recreate nature with something artificial. And I think that was really the big tipping point. And it was, it was amazing. It was just a 60 minute lecture where I think our tutor was just like, oh, here, watch this video instead of us doing our, our lecture today. And it was really cool. So yeah, there's a lot of little, I think, influences, nothing external. I think the challenge when I went through dental school particularly was there was no social media, there was no Facebook dentistry, there was no Instagram dentistry. So everything came from the people around you and then the books that you would read and were exposed to um so very different influences i think to what undergraduates probably have today they see a lot of external stimulus as well when it comes mm -hmm. to dentistry when 
back in the day, it was really just the people around you. It was all about proximity. Yeah. Mm. And what yeah. about you, Yoan? I think for me, yeah, I think for me, I felt a little bit unstimulated, you know, when it came to dentistry. You know, I was seeing it more as being a job, you know, rather than, you know, possibly it being a career. Um, back then, you know, I thought maybe I might even go back and study medicine because I, I didn't particularly enjoy dentistry too much. But towards the tail end of my, of my um, university training, I think that's when social media sort of really started to take off. You know, maybe not Instagram at that stage, but, you know, really when it came to Facebook, you know, I think Stella Italiano started back then, you know, a lot of these bigger Facebook groups were coming on the scene and I was looking at what was possible. And I think that sort of opened my eyes in, in terms of, you know, the types of cases we could do you know, the, the, you know, the difference we could make to people's lives. And, you know, that's when I seriously really started to consider, hey, maybe this is something that I can see myself doing. Um, I think for me, you know, I, you know, no disrespect to my faculty, you know, they were, they were amazing. But, you know, I think a lot of the demonstrators that I had, they weren't doing the type of dentistry that I really aspired to do, you know, so I would go off and, you know, read case reports, you know, of, of you know, great Australian dentists. And, I, you know, and I think I sort of, settled upon you know there was this prosthodontist Christopher Ho in Sydney um, you know and, and I think as an ethnic guy in Australia you know I gravitate towards similar you know similar you know people um, from similar ethnic backgrounds were super successful and you know this guy called Chris Ho was absolutely crushing the game in Sydney and um, you know I always and I looked at his work and I sort of aspired to you know become a, a lesser version of him you know and I'm just you know and I guess it was just little incidents like that that really sort of shaped my career and inspired me. Yeah, well, that that actually sounds yeah. really similar uh, uh, um, to me. I don't know yeah. uh, if it's the same for 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 Frank. Actually, my Blue father Blue. is uh, actually my father is a dentist, uh, and that was for me one of the reasons not to become a dentist because people always think that you're pushed into dentistry, uh, and I always and I always wanted to do something different. Uh, when I was younger, I wanted to do something creative. Uh, when I got older, I wanted to do. Uh, uh, um, uh, medical school I wanted to become a, a surgeon and then in the final year I decided to become a dentist and like you're saying in, uh, Instagram was also a huge inspiration for me but only after graduation um, I didn't know any any well-known dentist um, uh, I the only people that were around me was my were my father and my teachers um, and uh, if I look at the teachers at university they don't they don't do um, uh, what what I do uh, today, and Frank is already laughing. I think we we can make a whole <laughs> podcast uh, about it. But um, what? Um, yeah, uh, when I uh, I think I only knew Pascal Magne, and then when I noticed Instagram, I think it was somewhere at the end of 2017. So so a little bit late. Um, then I saw what was possible, and that was also a huge inspiration for me. So I think um, we're pretty similar in, in that way. That that, in, that Instagram has become um, a really huge inspiration and for me, a, a, a part of my life. And I think uh, that also goes f uh, for you guys. And what are your thoughts on social media today? Because we talk a lot about it. Um, uh, Barat, you already had a slide with uh, the, the, the world of smoke and mirrors. Uh, it was a really nice slide in your presentation. Um, can you tell me a bit? Uh, can you tell me a bit more about your social media experience and the the, the, the pros and cons of it? Yeah, look, I think I think social media is really it's really amazing. I think all of us, like you said, it's a big part of what we do. But I think it, it, it's very much 
there's two sides to it. And I think that's what I really worry about with the whole smoke and mirrors aspect of it. Um, often I think as, as younger clinicians, particularly, I think it's really important for younger clinicians to seek in inspiration and see what's possible. So they have that growth mindset. So that's something to aspire towards, something to keep attaining higher levels or, or keep bettering themselves as a result of. But I think when you're early on, I think it's also important that you focus on the fundamentals and the basics. And I think that's where it's really interesting. We all, like everyone sort of mentioned that at, at undergraduate level, everyone was a little bit uninspired. They sort of felt that their tutors maybe weren't teaching them the stuff that they wanted to learn. But I think the, the, on the contrary to that, I think it's really important that when you're starting out, you understand that the basics are so important. You know, how do you place a rubber down properly? How do you matrix something properly? before you start thinking about doing comprehensive dentistry and doing lots of multi-tooth dentistry and things like that, which is often what we see on Instagram. We see lots of big mm. things happening. Absolutely. And, complex things. and I think as an undergrad or even as a new graduate or someone who's a recent graduate, I think it can be very overwhelming sometimes on social media too. And, and I personally experienced that as well. I sort of look at the work that some of you guys do and some brilliant clinicians do. And sometimes you can feel a little bit, it doubt you kind of start doubting your own clinical ability and you start doubting whether you're delivering everything you can to your patients when you see that look martin freak and everyone these guys are doing these like brilliant restorations am i letting my patients down and i think as dentists everyone wants to do the best that they can that's our personality type everyone who gets into dentistry wants to help their patients and do the best they can so you have to take social media with a bit of a grain like grain of salt you need to take it for what it is it's people showing I guess, really amazing things day in, day out, but use that as inspiration and not as something that makes you feel worse about your clinical ability. And I always kind of say you want to seek inspiration from other people and everything that you see on social media, but you don't want to be competing with other people on social media. You want to be competing with yourself. Can you go yeah, into the surgery yeah. and do a better job than you did yesterday? Can you be a better version of yourself? And has that external inspiration helped you towards achieving that result so i love social media but i also think everyone just needs to see social media for what it is um and not too fixated on it. and i think that's that's a big thing that i tell a lot of my younger associates as well as yes this one day everyone can do this kind of stuff but you don't have to do this right now and the expectation isn't that you do this right now you should be able to identify and diagnose what's happening to your patients and offer them all their options but you, don't, you, you can't expect a graduate to live that dentistry straight away. Yeah, I agree. But I think to add to that as well, you know, I think an important thing to consider is, yeah, you know, I think that's one aspect of social media, but I guess it's now a platform where you can really connect with like-minded people, you know, like look at the group we've formed and it's, yeah. it's amazing that, you know, I never knew I would know these two great guys, you know, in the Netherlands, like such talented <laughs> clinicians, you know, I, we've we've you know got some amazing clinicians there and you know we're all so different you know we're all from different countries but yet we you know we motivate each other and we inspire each other you know on a daily you know on a daily basis like I look at your you know your cases especially like post COVID I'm just going shit you know these guys like <laughs> I'm like you guys are like you know have improved so much you know since you you know you've come out of lockdown and you know it's so inspiring and I think at the same time you know, Barat talked about competition and you're not in competition with anyone else, but I think no. it's about being able to look at these beautiful cases and, you know, being inspired rather than being in competition. And I think that's like yeah. a very sort of, um, you know, a big thing to realize. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I remember meeting Martin last year. We we were staying in the same hotel in Tokyo, and Mart like we I think we saw each other from across the room, but it didn't quite click at that point why we were both in Tokyo at the same time. Yeah. And then we ended up going to the the KOL meet, and then straight away I think Martin came like to me two minutes later. He's like, Ah, bruh, it's nice to finally meet you. Like we've been chatting on like Instagram, but we never mentioned that we were both going to Tokyo that that week and he was like um oh, it's me the dental dutchman and that's like it was it was kind of cool to like his introduction was his like Instagram handle yeah. it? it was yeah, it was it was awesome that's that's how connected it makes the whole world yeah and I, I, I and I had the same experience which uh, with uh Shiraz uh as well because I was standing in front of the hotel I was I was just dropped there and then uh, and then uh, some guy came up to me in a nice suit, and he uh, and he and he and he walks uh, towards me. He gives hand. He says Shiraz, and I think, okay, I know that name. I know that name. Why do I know him from? <laughs> do I know him from Instagram? So I was checking my phone. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know him. <laughs> I follow him. We we are talking to each other. So I said, hey, uh, are you from? Yeah, you're from Instagram, right? Uh, I'm the dental Dutchman. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And we and we uh, immediately immediately had a connection, and it's really nice how um, how uh, through social media you can you can get to know people better. And uh, this the same goes for our karma group. Um, Frank and I we were talking to Mart, one of our members, long before we even met him, and yeah. we were talking to him like a year or so. But we were in the same country, but we never never ran into each other when we finally met each other it was like we already knew each other for our whole life yeah for some Insane. for some for some reason like we are all like-minded people we can i think if you if you put put us together for a week and we will enjoy ourselves it will be it will be fun and um yeah it, it's you know, like like and i and i i also didn't know eric jan before instagram and i also I think I only knew uh, Jasper and you, um, Arte. Yeah. And but we can we get along perfectly fine, and um, yeah, that's really cool. And and I have a funny story as well because um, Martin and I went, of course, to Minesh to Minesh to Minesh Patel for the photography course, and then I stayed in London for two more days. I really did not know George by then. I think it's just before uh, we started uh, the the. University of Instagram um, chat and then but then I was sitting with a friend of mine who lives in London in a in a cafe in a bar in a pub and um, I saw a guy sitting in the corner and I was like what I don't know maybe I know that guy from somewhere and then yeah there's George yeah, in the was back. George. That's, that's <laughs> nuts. And that's, I, but I crazy. but I did but I didn't I didn't know until the next day I went looking on Instagram and then I saw George with the story about Invisalign, I think. Whoa, I was sitting next to that guy yesterday and I texted him like, were you in this bar last night? Yeah, man, you should have, what? <laughs> you should have told. But, and then, but, but I, I really didn't know it was George. So I didn't know it. I only recognize the face a bit, but. Well, I mean, if, it's, it's, if we look at the power of social media, like, <laughs> that's how Johan and I met like Johan is my wife calls him one of my internet friends like when she talks to my like, friends that grew up, she's like Brad has this other life he's got his internet friends which is like all of you guys yeah <laughs> my girlfriend's making fun of that as well 
yeah. This is hilarious. She's like, you talk to these, your internet friends more than your, your friends you grew up with. <laughs> yeah. That's literally how I met Johan. He just slid into my, um, slid into my DMs. <laughs> guilty, guilty as charged, yeah? Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, and um, um, uh, I, I want to. Um, um, uh, you, you were talking about, uh, Barat, you were talking about the younger generation of dentists, um, that it's important that they, um, uh, that they get inspired, but they don't um, think that they can immediately do it. And I think we, Frank and I, see a similar trend right now in, in Holland. And actually, on one hand, I think it's a, it's a good one. On the other hand, I think it's, it's bad. Uh, what's good is that people are actually inspired and they are using rubber dam, taking photos and really trying to, to get better at it. But I also get a lot of, yeah. uh, get a lot of DMs from how do, how do you do this? How do you do that? And I think, well, maybe you should start with the basis, but because I graduated mm-hmm. five years ago, uh, I couldn't do this when I was just out of dental school. It, it took me also five years to get to where I am right now. And sometimes people tend to, uh, to forget it. And I, I think that's, um, 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 yeah, um, uh, that can be a bad thing. Uh, on the I other think, hand, it's, um, it's good that you see some, ins- some inspiration and that you know what's possible and that people that are not even that older can do something that you aspire. So you will probably get it as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I think they also forget the basics right, right. of dentistry, <laughs> diagnosis, and stuff like that. <laughs> well, I was about to say they forget what you've what you've been through. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you, you're five years out, but the amount of training and the amount of hours and time and yeah. you know tears you guys have put into your yeah. career is is on another level. And 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 sometimes this is like one of my pet peeves on Instagram when you get a random message, you know, and it goes how did you do this? And you're going, you know, look, you know, I'm happy to teach and like share, but at the same time, you know, this is stuff that, you know, I've learned in, you know, in a very difficult way. And for me to be able to explain this in one sentence on Instagram, I don't think is appropriate. Do you guys find that's the same thing? Yeah, 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 absolutely. (laughs) I always tell people I can, I can tell you the short version, but, um, but it won't help you. You have to follow a course or anything like, or something like that. You have to practice a lot. Because otherwise, I can I can give you the recipe, but it it, it, it doesn't work if, if you if you don't do it. And uh, what Barat was saying as well is that um, right now through Instagram, what uh, the way I see it is that I really get motivated by seeing things you guys do, and it also makes me think, okay, I need to do better. And even though my patients are perfectly happy, uh, as I see what Freak is doing, I, I'm thinking, okay, I need to practice more. And uh, in the discussion before we, we started recording, Barat said, well, it's Saturday night, I'm in the office anyway, maybe I should, I should work on some typodons later, just to, just to practice some, some more skills. Yeah, and it's just something that we, um, I don't think it's, uh, indeed it's a competition, but it's more like, a, um, um, uh, trying to be better every time you see a case yeah. from someone else that you really aspire. If I look at Johannes preps, yeah, then the crazy. next time I'm prepping, <laughs> I think, okay, how do I make it look like a like a Johan uh, like a Johan choice <laughs> prep? And it's 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 a it's a really huge inspiration. And if I look uh, at at Barat, his composite work uh, next to uh, ceramics, the next time I'm layering, I think, okay, how can I make it look like? like some of his cases so it's um yeah i I think you guys are are a huge inspiration and you always 
um, uh, push me to to put in more effort. And I think indeed, in like you were saying, Johan, and the people uh, f uh, forget about that. They think it it um, just by doing it, it will it will eventually come. But you don't see the hours you put in after uh, after treating your patients, working on typodons, uh, going to courses, lectures, reading stuff, looking at videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, a, I, it's a lot. Remember, Martin, when we went to Minesh's course, then we the night before we just put on videos by Victor. Sh no, 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 it was uh, by Dennis Kurtikov. Yeah, Dennis Kurtikov, and just watch uh, hours of layering. <laughs> we just <laughs> yeah, we were at the we were at the apartment at at 11 p.m. I guess, and we watched till two in the morning. We were just w watching YouTube videos on on interior layering. Oh, that that guy is in, is 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 insane. Hey? He's a beast. Yeah, it's 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 unbelievable. It's so next level. No, yeah. Cool. yeah. By the way, Brett's Brett's not really gonna practice. He's just this is what you call smoke and mirrors. This guy's just waiting to go out to have a beer tonight. He's just pretending he's gonna practice. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nice. In all seriousness, so I think you know. There's always that whole notion of you sort of become the average of the people that you hang around with. And, yeah. you know, it's, we, we've got such like an amazing group in, within Australia itself, like, you know, Johan, David, um, and Aiden and ourselves, we, we pretty much talk, we've got like our own group chat. We pretty much talk every day and um, they're such a big inspiration, but now social media has made that group so much bigger and so much more diverse. And yeah. um, it's cool to be inspired by the people that you have like this geographical proximity to, but now it's just like, it's insane. The boundaries are just crazy. Is you can just, yeah, you can reach like, you know, it's crazy. You reach, you read an article and you see the author and you can reach out to them on Instagram now. Yeah. And it's just crazy. Like a lot of them are just so happy to reach out and go, Hey, like, what did you think? Or you can ask them a question about this paper that they've written. This just didn't happen like 10 years ago. It was, yeah. you send an email and then maybe, you know, they're probably yeah. hundreds of emails every day, but now it's just so instantaneous. And yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's really, really cool. Yeah, it is. But it's, it's, it's dangerous sometimes too. Right? If I see how many hours I'm on Instagram every day and I said this on my iPhone, I've set this limit for 30 minutes a day and I often in somewhere in the morning, I already have to ignore the, <laughs> the air, <laughs> the, my screen time limit. So it's like, Hey, you have to stop now. No, <laughs> just press ignore. And, and, um, and it's, and it's often already somewhere in the, in the morning. And, and then I think, Oh, what am I doing with my life? But then on the other hand, it's without in Instagram, I wouldn't have been doing this kind of work because as we all say, we, I get, inspired every day by new cases and yeah. and it's it's really helps you to grow and i yeah if, if you use it on the on a, in a in a good way i think you can improve a lot and absolutely uh, it's 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 just like a digital portfolio and if i look yeah. at um at uh, fracas instagram and my instagram uh, our instagram is purely uh, for for dentists and that uh, that also has something to do with the with the way um, we practice dentistry over here. Uh, we don't have any. We do have some sort of private practices, but everything is all the fees are government 
regulated so we don't need to make any advertisement but i think it's different in australia and if i look at your pages um there's there there are some cases i think that are more for the patient and some that are more for the dentist like yo on his prep photos i don't think any patient one wants to see it but then again you have some other aesthetic cases that that are really appealing to a patient where you show a before and after and 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 they know what they can can expect and the same goes for for barat uh, as well do you think your um, uh, do you see your own instagram as something that's purely for dentists or purely for patients or indeed the the, the mix of both i think mine is mainly targeted towards dentists and I think for me, again, this comes back to the whole notion of what social media is for. I think, I think sometimes social media can be misused as well. People use it as their highlight reel, but then also something to, I guess, make themselves feel better or use it as a way to sort of, I, I guess, market themselves or come across as some sort of expert authority or, you know, to, to sort of one up, you know, one up someone else. And I think for me, when I use my social media personally, like my pure intention personally for social media is, does my post have some sort of educational merit to it? And I, and I always try and think, is this going to benefit some other clinician? Because I think part of, part of what I think our responsibility as young dentists is also to help shape the way dentistry is going to be practiced in the future. And I think every generation has that responsibility in any sort of professional service you know we are we are very great i'm very grateful i think we're very blessed to have an opportunity to be part of this great faculty that is dentistry so for me it's like if i can use social media as one avenue to have some sort of reach to hopefully inspire or help someone understand a concept better that's that's my motivation behind posting but to see how it's a brilliant tool for marketing for patients as well a lot of patients get their information from social media these days so um I don't think I have that balance at all. Mine is, I think, very much tailored towards okay. dentists. Uh, I can see why a patient-targeted approach would be very useful as well in this day yeah. and age. Yeah, but you also have a different Instagram from your practice. Correct. Yeah. And that's completely for patients. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because they don't want to see, you know, retraction. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's completely irrelevant. Yeah, I agree. And what about you, Johan? Uh, yeah, I would have to say that I've got way too many prep photos on my page for it to be geared towards, you know, <laughs> towards patients. Yeah. <laughs> um, however, having said that, I, I do think it attracts, I, I think, you know, when you show workflow, you know, workflow things, some before and afters, and, you know, I think it, what it does show patients, though, is that that you are a conscientious practitioner who takes pride in their work. So yeah, exactly. I think our types of pages can still attract educated patients who are mm. you know who want to understand what goes behind the scenes to achieve a quality result yeah. however i think you know it's mostly for dentists i think if you want to attract patients you need to have a separate page with nice before and afters um you know for the majority of patients in my like opinion. you already have yes which is not going very well i <laughs> i should stick to dentists i think yeah okay <laughs> great um, yeah, and uh, what's also something that I think most people need to bear in mind is that um, I've said it once before in this podcast, but you don't need to compare your life to someone else's highlights because Instagram is only a, only a, a highlight reel. We, we only show our best cases. And if you're 
if you're if you have a, a a good case every day you're still consistent but there are also some cases that don't turn out how you want to be and we don't post them and it's it's not um because we uh, we want to throw up smoke and mirrors and show people that 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 we also have some flaws but it's if you look at for example an, an architect or uh, or a broker they they also only show their highlights and not um not and not those cases or those those projects that were not um to their liking but then again it's it's really easy to look at your page and think oh i suck uh, i don't get this result i um but yeah people need to forget that uh don't need to forget that it's um how do i say it um they, they they don't need to compare their life uh, to someone else's highlight I think that's, no, that's that, really that's, important. That's the bad way to, to use Instagram. Yeah. Then I think then you can be re- get really unhappy with yourself. You yeah, really absolutely. And, and I think it's, yeah, maybe some people are more prone to, to using Instagram in such a way. But for me, if I see work, uh, some work, uh, for, for instance, by Marta, so I, a colleague in my, in my practice in Amsterdam, I, I can get really unhappy, but I also can can think like, well, maybe I can reach that level if I start practicing even more. And that's yeah. and that's so it's more in- inspiring yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah. But I think you hit the nail on the head there, fruit, because um, you know that's that's the thing, isn't it? You know, I think everyone's first reaction when they look at a beautiful case is, you know, is oh my god, you know, how is that done? I, you know, I can't do that. And then I think it's about how you bounce back from that initial emotion that's going to yeah. shape you as a practitioner. You know, I think it's, you know, as you said, it's, you know, if you feel then inspired and you, you know, you put, put the effort in, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's the difference between, you know, a great practitioner and normal practitioner in my humble opinion. You know? I also think, um, I completely agree with that. And I also think clinicians who do post a lot of stuff on Instagram, I think we also should, understand that we have some responsibility in the way that we make other people feel as well. You know, sometimes um, we see cases where, and you know, there's certain scenarios where there's cases that haven't gone so well, but then you still see a snapshot from that case posted that may Mm. have gone well, but then there's no context that the case actually didn't work out afterwards. So I think it's our responsibility as clinicians as well, that who post on Instagram, to not create a false sense of grandeur as well, that these things will work no matter what. Um, so I think it is important. And I, and I love it when you guys post like your recall photos and you know one year recall, two year recall, four year recall, because that's more important. You know, if it's, it looks great the moment the patient walks out of the room, but then they come back next week with everything broken and chipped and fractured or yeah. um, it didn't work or it debonded, then what, what was the point of posting that case because you just created this false sense of um, what the actual clinical scenario was so I think clinicians who post on Instagram also need to take responsibility for the yeah. image that they're bringing as well if you're put yourself out there I think you need to self-critique as well which is really important yeah and you have to be yeah you really have to be careful not to yeah you can you can also be a threat to the dentist to dentistry right if you like if you if you show protocols that are really not right and you know thousands of followers um it's it's really dangerous we there are some like uh, also some instagram accounts i think where thousands of people maybe maybe th- ten thousands of people are following and 
like get getting inspired by some dentists who leave carriers who who and then i think oh my god this are you naming so... and shaming freak it's naming and shaming <laughs> no. time <laughs> no but i was but waiting it's... for that but yeah <laughs> no, but I, I thought i thought that was the biomimetic way it's like you know... <laughs> naming and shaming no? <laughs> no but it's it can be really dangerous i think <laughs> Yeah, it can be. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it can also be really dangerous to to mention any names right now. So let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, you can, okay. your, your your Instagram account can get hacked, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, but but you guys can just edit that out anyway, so it's all fine, right? It's true, but we won't. So uh, <laughs> let's not do it. Okay, let's continue to the next question. Um, you 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 both obviously love aesthetic dentistry. Is there any particular reason? why you love that or why you chose that career path? I think for me, I, I think I've always enjoyed, I, I think it, when it comes to everything, I, I like aesthetics in general, you know, I think, you know, things looking good. I think that's a prerequisite of what, you know, prerequisite of, you know, even when it comes to me making purchases, it has to look good, you know, for example. Um, you, know, you know, I think originally, as well you know i didn't mention it before but you know my original aspiration was to become a plastic surgeon you know i thought you know making people beautiful was my calling in life and you know some days i still feel maybe that's what i should have done but i guess you know being a dentist you know the closest thing that we can do is to make the teeth you know we sculpt you know mm -hmm. to be beautiful and i guess you know that's that's you know that's why i've sort of um, been drawn to that what about you Bruno? um very similar i think i think there's a couple of things that i guess really sort of led me down towards pursuing aesthetics and I guess looking at that sort of area of dentistry more I think I think fundamentally everything that we do is aesthetic and, and that's why I really love aesthetic dentistry because aesthetics is recreating nature right so it doesn't matter where where you're working if it's that upper seven and you guys are like a perfect example of that everyone in this group right now puts that much effort into sculpting an upper seven or something that a patient's never going to see but it's still it still, it still needs to be aesthetic because, you know, form follows function and all those kind of things. Um, so I think everything we do should be aesthetic. And I think everyone is, should aspire to be an aesthetic dentist, no matter what they do. Even if they're not working in the front of the mouth, wherever they're working, they should be aspiring to do that. I think the second thing that really motivates me to do aesthetic dentistry, get better at it, is really just that, I guess, just that intangible benefit that we can have in our patients' lives. And I love you know, we take all of us take a lot of photos, but you can just see the way the patient's face changes from the before and after photos, the way their the way their eyes change, the way their, their skin, like everything changes, the whole musculature musculature changes when they're confident, when they're happy. And and that's I think amazing. You know, you know, you're fixing one part of their body, but there's so many things that change for that person, their confidence and um, it's, it's really cool. And I love it when patients come in, I had a patient I recalled this week and he, and he told me that we did, you know, some upper veneers for him. And he, he said he ran into one of his colleagues at work and his colleague asked him, have you lost, have you lost weight? Like you look really great. What's going on? And he was like, I actually put on five kilos during COVID. Like we finished this just before COVID. He's like, I actually put on five kilos, but he goes, I know why he thought I lost weight. It was my teeth look better, but you guys have actually put on weight. So it's cool, this whole benefit that you can have in your patient's lives just from changing one thing. And it's such an important thing, the teeth. We all know that. So it's, it's really cool. 
Right, there's one statement you made earlier though, you know, and I'd, I'd like to get your opinion, you know, um, as well. You said everyone should aspire to do aesthetic dentistry. Now, in, do, you, do you guys agree with that? Should everyone um, be doing aesthetic dentistry? Um, that's a good question. Well, I don't think everyone should do aesthetic dentistry, but I do think that everybody needs to have some, some sense about what aesthetics is. And um, I think, for example, what, what, uh, what uh, Barat told is that it's important to, um, on the, um, uh, in the posterior region, we can just make flat fillings. We call them pancakes in, uh, in Holland. Just, just make flat fillings. You can do it, but the patient won't benefit from it in the long term because you have some sort of natural anatomy in a tooth and it, it, it has a function. It's, it's not there just for, just, just, just for fun. So I think we need to be conscious about that. And um, I also think um, no patient ever wants uh, ugly restoration uh, because you, you pay money for, for it. If you get it for free, maybe it's different, but if you're paying for something and you have an accident and some of your, and some of your front teeth chip, um, everybody wants to have a nice restoration. So I think it's, it's our obligation to at least give uh, or give the patient the option. And if you cannot do it yourself, then at least know who you can refer to um, because I think every patient des deserves it. And nobody wants um, in a really nice front teeth wants one shade monochromatic restoration that turns gray over time. And so I think it's, it's our obligation to, to have that skill set. Yeah, I think, I, I think the only reason I asked that was because as well was, um, you know, we talked about earlier how, you know, people need to learn how to walk before they run, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it's before people do pursue aesthetics. So I think the key thing is, yeah, you the know, basics need, need to be good. It's all good and well as starting to do aesthetics, but yeah, to learn the basics first before you, you know, go and focus on those sorts of yeah. things. Yeah, but if you, if you aspire... Like, I really like the word aesthetics from that perspective, because if we actually like break down what aesthetics really is, it's... I, I think anything that we do is aesthetic. You know, how nicely you place your rubber dam, that's aesthetic. Is it inverted properly or is there gingiva showing through? That's unesthetic. Is your matrix band sealed perfectly or do you have fluid coming up? That's unesthetic. So for me, when I look at aesthetics, it's like, you know, that sort of OCD level of everything needs to be neat and clean from the same, in the right spot. Um, and I think that for me is what I mean by aesthetics. Everything you do is, should be aesthetic. Your whole operative field should be aesthetic when you're working in it. Um, does your surgery look aesthetic or is it cluttered when your patient walks and that's going to affect their yeah. emotion and the way that they feel being at the practice. So every, everything in dentistry, I think, is somewhat driven by aesthetics, no matter what you do. Even if you're doing surgery, look at David Atia, look at his surgical photographs. Like that. They are aesthetic. When you when you look at his surgery, his sutures are aesthetic. They're beautifully placed, and just, obviously, when it's all just gonna heal anyway, right, Barat? Like, who really cares? Yeah. And the outcomes, <laughs> the outcomes, arguably, are quite yeah. They're, they're better because yeah. he takes that time to do things properly, and you know he's gonna have less scarring and, and less post-operative yeah. complications than the average person. So. I think that's what I mean by aesthetic. And when you're starting out, aesthetics isn't teeth and smile makeovers. Yeah, and it's not. It's not crazy only cosmetic like dentistry. It's like being yeah. ethic. Yeah. And well, I have philosophy. a perfect. I have a perfect example of that. I gave Frank some shit for it. This case is beautiful, but what I gave him shit for is the rubber dam. <laughs> rubber dam right there. 
this, this photo is so pleasing, so, but that thing is totally throwing me off. <laughs> so unesthetic. Is, 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 is that an F, Martin? Do you give him an F for that case now? Is that <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Even though the end result is great, that, that, that inversion yeah, sucks. That was so, a fantastic so, uh, case. Yeah, I don't like it anymore. <laughs> I didn't get the basics right. Yeah, yeah, true. You're the perfect example of the of the young dentist that that just that just uh, wants some shortcuts to get the end result, and you and you lack the basis. So yeah, shame yeah. on you, Frank. <laughs> um, that's not going to chip. <laughs> yeah, did you did you guys know um, all the possibilities and challenges of aesthetic dentistry when you made the decision to to pursue that career path? Uh, definitely not. I think, I think anyone who does aesthetic dentistry for long enough starts understanding how complex and how difficult it really is because it's not about your technical ability. It's not about your diagnosis. It's not about your post-operative care. There's actually so much more to it. There's this, when you, when you talk about aesthetic dentistry, particularly in the front of the mouth, you're dealing with this patient who is seeking aesthetic dentistry and it, it particularly when it's a elective treat um, there are so many challenges that I think an aesthetic dentist faces and until you've done it for long enough and until you've been uh, the, the term I'd use maybe been burnt a couple of times by patients who are dissatisfied no matter what you've done and no matter mm -hmm. how, how hard you've tried I think you don't really understand how complex it is and, and it's amazing I think my staff and some of my associates who work with me daily see the amount of emotional stress that I go through like between the hours where I'm working, like it's just like me processing all of these emotions that my patients are throwing at me. And it's, it's phenomenal. They, they can see it all over my face. I'm like putting on this show in front of my patient to go, okay, we're going to figure this out, sort this out. But then you've got to unravel all this baggage. You've got all your patients baggage to go, okay, this is what's driving them. This is what's motivating them. Why do they think that 0.1 degree of inclination being wrong is important to them? Can I, rec can I rectify that? Is there, and because it's so subjective, is their opinion of what is aesthetic, does that align with my opinion of what's aesthetic? Do I need to change my plan to align better with that? And I think that's the biggest challenge with aesthetics, cosmetics, anything where you're, you're changing the patient's appearance is it is largely subjective. You know, everyone says beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? Mm -hmm. But I think we can, if we are conscious of that, we can train ourselves to identify those patients better. And if we can train ourselves to identify what is aesthetic objectively, we can communicate better with our patients and hopefully critically evaluate our outcomes better as well. And then that's the complexity that comes with aesthetic dentistry. You're taking something really subjective, someone who's really got their own emotions, their own baggage and their own rationale for doing things and then you're adding science to it all whilst trying to be artistic at the same time. So this is whole, this is such a big bag of things that need to be considered. So I think aesthetics is, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, it's very challenging. Yeah, it is, it's super challenging. No. And then you also have not, then you also have to, the, the yesterday I had such a stressful day because I, I was doing this quadrant on a, on a, and a fairly young woman I, I thought i thought i was going to make it be look beautiful but she was so stressed during the treatment she was like she has this she had these panic panicky eyes uh, above the rubber dam and she was like 
constantly um, breathing heavily and and sometimes moving a bit and I just could not do what I wanted to do and and yeah. that is also sometimes if you do a front restoration and you think then you think well I'm going to take yeah. two hours for it and I'm going to make it beautiful but then after 30 minutes your patient already is shaking and uh, asking yeah. how long it it will take uh, and sometimes it just it doesn't work mm-hmm. yeah and it's 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 like this big effect if you if you look at the work on instagram it usually looks really easy you see a clean rubber dam you see brinkers everywhere no drop of saliva or blood yeah. but, but you don't to see get the struggle to that, behind it to, to get to that easy looking picture it's uh, it's it can be so stressful mm-hmm. it's, absolutely mm-hmm. What do you think, Johan? Have you been, have you sort of had that experience with patients seeking aesthetic dentistry in your practice where you've had to deal with like, I guess that sort of complexity? Because I don't know, it might be sort of my demographic as well. I'm, I'm on the Gold Coast and very aesthetically driven, but Sydney is also very aesthetically driven as well. It's one of the hubs for, I guess, cosmetics and aesthetics in Australia. So it'd be interesting to see if there's a difference in demographic as well on, on how we manage that. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, my demographic is a bit different to yours, Brett. You know, I think you treat a lot of younger patients as well. Um, whereas a lot of my patient base is between the age of 40 to 70, you know. And, and I think they're at a different stage in life. I find that in the area that I'm in, most of my patients are pretty, you know, pretty chill, pretty relaxed. Um, you know, you get the occasional difficult one, but I think that comes down to, you know, how you manage their expectations and just documenting each step of the process and consenting them at each stage is, you know, super important for those types of patients. But, you know, for the most part, I, you know, I, I'm pretty, I've, I've had a pretty easy experience when it comes to medics because, you know, my, a lot of my patients are happy to accept my perceived um, aesthetic rather than them, you know, dictating to me what their aesthetic is. Yeah. And do you guys ever feel that you are uh, maybe you're maybe too harsh on yourself uh, when you look at aesthetics? Because uh, if I look at some case on Instagram, um, we always have our opinion ready. And one of the perfect examples is the is one of the last posts from David, where he showed a denture when he had a when when he had the zoom in, and people started reacting. You should do a gingival graft. You should do some orthodontics. You should do this. You should do that. And even though it was a denture, which which you saw in the in the, in the in the next post, sometimes I have some patients coming in and they don't like the the lateral being more towards the, the palatal, and they just always see some 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 sort of some sort of shade on it. So it's so it's more so it's more gray. And I start, well, uh, maybe we should do orthodontics. Uh, it's minimal invasive. Do this. Do that. They have some ugly. Uh, some ugly bridge uh, in the other quadrant I say well if you want to make it optimal you should do this and that and eventually they are just happy when I bond some composite on the lateral and make it more um, yeah make it more in harmony with the rest and it's not what I find aesthetic but they are so happy with it do you do you think do you also notice that that's something sure just too too harsh or or want too too much when you can uh, also do it way more easy? I think it's our responsibility to, and the thing is patients often, patients often come in thinking or knowing something is wrong with their smile. Like you said, they, they are unhappy with the tooth being dark. And you mentioned it very, very nicely. Why is that tooth dark? It's further away from the eye. 
less light hits, it sort of appears darker even when it's palette overted like that. Yeah. But the patient doesn't know that. The patient doesn't know why that tooth is appearing dark. In their head, they might think, oh, do I just whiten my teeth? Is that going to make the situation better? What it, you know, something like that. So I think as aesthetic dentists, it's our responsibility to diagnose comprehensively, give our patient all of the options, like you, like you mentioned, you know, is orthodontics the most appropriate way of approaching that situation? And then from there, helping guide our patients, because at the same time, they know something's wrong, but they don't know how to objectively describe what's wrong. How many times have you had a patient come into the practice and they go, I'm here because I want you to fix the gap between my teeth. Mm-hmm. Have you had that? And then you, you sit them back in the chair and you're looking and everything's, all their contacts are nice and tight and there's no gap anywhere. There's no food pack. And in our head, we're thinking, where's the gap? Yeah. And the patient's just referring to like a large incisal embrasure, like there yeah. may be one tooth slightly rotated or something's chipped. And then you sit them up and you have that awkward conversation where you give them the mirror. And you what say, do you oh, mean? Yeah. What can you point to where, like, which, which gap do you not like? Yeah. And then you look like an idiot because they think, oh, this guy doesn't even know where my gap is. Like, yeah. should I pass yeah. with my history? But I could totally relate. Describe, yeah. They don't know how to describe what we're talking about. So I think, yes, we can be harsh in ourselves, but I also think it's our responsibility to diagnose comprehensively. I don't think it's being too too harsh i think we need to give patient the options and yeah. if they choose something else you've consented them it's like anything else in dentistry True. anything else that we do yeah. if they choose a suboptimal outcome or something that's not ideal you've done your job already if yeah. you don't diagnose it then the opposite happens you know when the yeah. patient comes in and you haven't told them all the options that's when you're in, in i think things are worse yeah and they go, My teeth still don't you forgot to mention all the different options and all the things that are shortcomings yeah, um, with that yeah. yeah, I agree. What about you, Johan? What was the question? I just thought <laughs> was all I was saying. And if you're sometimes too harsh on, you, on yourself, that you yeah, that you yeah, look no, at something yeah. that 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 is not that it's that is in your opinion is not aesthetic aesthetically pleasing, while the patient is already happy with it, and you could be you could uh, have such an easier so much such an easier life. Yeah just by doing a simple thing instead of the whole package. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly what Beretta said, you know, in that regard, you know, I think it's, you know, very important to share what all the options are, because I think a lot of the time patients come in not knowing what is possible, you know, nowadays, you know, who knows what they might've seen on social media. They might be thinking, Hey, whitening is the only way to improve my smile. Or they may be thinking, you know, porcelain veneers are the only way to improve my smile. And I think it's very important to show them, not only what the options are, but the difference in quality that we can offer them in terms of aesthetics as well, you know, what natural aesthetics really entails. And, and as Brett mentioned, if we show them that this is what a natural aesthetic is and this is what the ideal outcome is, as long as we've consented them and yeah. you know, if they choose a suboptimal option, then, you know, that, that's on them. I, I think it's a very contentious thing as well. You know, I've, I've thought about this, you know, in, in a lot of the time and, you know, we, we, we comprehensively tell them about all of these aesthetic issues that may be that may be present you know from an in an objective way but sometimes i wonder you know are we putting ideas in their mind though sometimes as well do you guys ever think that where we feel as though we're doing our job 
but at the same time, you've just opened a can of worms and now the patient is looking at things where they have yeah. never noticed before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, had, I had one patient who had um, uh, also a lateral that was towards the palatal, giving her a harsh shade. But on the other side, she missed a lateral. The canine wasn't all right. So I gave her a mirror and I said, okay, if we look at this, if we want to make it perfect, did you know you, you miss a, a, a lateral that your canine is, is, is mesialized, that it's rotated? And if we want to give you an optimal aesthetic, we need to do this this and this and this and she never noticed and she i don't think she even knew as a kid she just had 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 orthodontics she knew it was a bit complex she wore braces for longer than her friends but she didn't know the problem and i just opened her eyes to the problem and yeah once it's seen it cannot be unseen so <laughs> i think it's quite yeah, terrible yeah i think it's contentious. i think with elective treatment remember as dentists our responsibility is helping the patient attain optimal health, right? And optimal long-term health outcomes with their teeth. So I think it's really important that we obviously diagnose caries and periodontal disease and, you know, occlusal dysfunction and all the things that we, we look at as general dentists day in, day out. When it comes to aesthetics, when it comes to something that's subjective or elective, I think it's really important. I, I never, and I think a lot, of, a lot of dentists I've seen will often have things on their medical history form where they'll ask questions like, rate your smile out of 10. If you yeah. can change something about your teeth, what would you change? We don't, we don't do that now. Practice. We never ask questions to our patients because for me, when it comes to something elective and something aesthetic that isn't going to necessarily just improve their dental health. Um, I don't want to give them a solution for a problem. They don't perceive that they have at this point until they perceive they have a problem. That's when you give them a solution. So for me, I don't want to ever come across as salesy or going, this is, you know, this is my idea of aesthetic. I don't think you look aesthetic Un unless they have expressed concern mm -hmm. that they're unhappy with their smile to me explicitly. I don't give them aesthetic solutions unless it's going to have a health benefit to them. So yeah. that's that fine line in aesthetics. I think that's you don't want to give, give them a solution for a problem they don't have. Yeah. You'll burn them straight away. The trust is gone immediately. Yeah, but but sometimes you have to inform. Like, I I recently placed uh, placed a, a crown on a, a one four on a premolar, and then after the treatment, after everything was done, and we 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 finished it, they were all healthy again and all nice. And then she asked, "Well, now I now I'm thinking about bleaching." <laughs> no, nothing. Oh shit. <laughs> don't do it <laughs> but then i then i thought um maybe i should have asked beforehand if she, if she was happy with the, with the color of her teeth yeah. without trying to with trying to not let her feel like her teeth are too dark or something like that yeah but then again that only happens once and and from and from now on you will always ask pa uh, patients yeah, i guess but, but yeah. even but even now i think um um Yesterday I posted a prep of a mm -hmm. premolar and I haven't made the impression yet because I asked now I asked beforehand, <laughs> are you happy with your with the color of your teeth? And yeah. she was like, well, maybe I well, I never thought about it. Let me have and I've have a two week vacation right now. and I and I and she 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 told me, Well, let me think about it for two weeks and then after that we will do the impression and or yeah. we need to make ble bleach trays, but but I think, um, yeah, 
for for those cases it can be important to to just yeah. ask if if they if they are happy and and if they want to change something now is the time and otherwise it will be really a pain in pain in the ass yeah absolutely i think and you're right you're never going to do that again so you like obviously already experienced that being burnt once it's not going to happen but i think again that I think that's okay to have that conversation there because that becomes part of the consent process for them to understand that they have chosen a ceramic restoration or a direct restoration. And part of the, the nature of those materials is that they're not amenable to bleaching in the future. So I think that's then becomes part of the consent process to go, we're going to pick a color together. Just be aware that this tooth isn't going to change color, no matter what you do yeah. when you bleed yeah. later. So, yeah, it's 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 so complex. Yeah, it happens it's to really every, complex. every single person. Everyone's been there. Like that story has happened so many times. Or you finish a margin super gingival because you're trying to preserve tooth. Yeah. And the back goes, why is there a little faint line between where my ceramic meets my tooth? Yeah. You, did you not do it properly? It's like, no, I, I saved so much tooth here. There's so much good tooth. I didn't want to cut it. So you, you never make that mistake again. You always explain to them that I'm going to keep this margin super gingival you might see a faint little transition line. Are you going to be okay with that? Um, so yeah, the, the, all these little things happen to everyone. Yeah. I think yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And what I, um, um, what I noticed from talking to you, but what I already knew true to Instagram is that you are both really passionate about dentistry. And uh, Frank and I um, had a lot of people in the podcast. And what we noticed is that, um, that being passionate never applied to only one thing, but it was more like a way of life. Can you also relate to that? Are there all other things in life that you're also passionate about, or is it only dent? Is it only dent dentistry? I'll, I'll probably be the exception to the rule, Martin. Like dentistry is probably the only thing I'm passionate about. And uh, <laughs> well, I, I think I think let me rephrase that. I think the main thing is that I don't have time to be passionate about anything else, really. You know, too much time I, into I dentistry. Yeah. yeah, it's like five to six days of work and then Instagram and who has time for anything else, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's, a, it, it, yeah, for example, if I, if I think some, some of our, yeah, obviously we all are passionate about photography as well, I think. But, um, mm -hmm. but like, uh, if I, if I, if I, if I look at myself, if I, if I, cook something and I never have the time to cook, but the, the coming two weeks I will have, have time, but I, I really try to do it good as well and try to keep yeah. my cutting board neat and, um, make some pictures, post on Instagram, <laughs> no, but, but it's like, it's, it's like doing things with, with love, with passion. Yeah. Um, it's not only my restorations that I try to, to do well. Yeah, I think that's a. I think that's a great point. I think it's. I think uh, you know, even though we might not have particular hobbies that we're passionate about, I think whatever we do, you know, I think we try and be good at whatever yeah. we you know approach in everyday life, right? For yeah. what are your hobbies? I I, I don't know, except for drinking, <laughs> dancing. Oh, dancing! That's his hobby. He's passionate about dancing. That's right. Ignore Johan. Ignore Johan. Um, I'll send you the video, I, boys, to add to the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Great. Looking forward to uh, it. Uh, anyways. Is that, no is that the wedding video or, or no? <laughs> There's plenty. I'll, I'll there were we'll there, a couple. There, there, there was something with a wedding, right? Or 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love dancing, but I wouldn't say I'm passionate about dancing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and don't worry about your hands video, that's nothing important. Um, <laughs> uh, look, I, I'm very similar to Johan. I don't, at this point in my life, I don't have time to be that passionate about anything else, but I'm passionate about our business and what we've, what we've built with our business and our practices and what sort of goes into to that. That's part of it, but that's still related to dentistry, obviously. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. I mean, I was listening to you boys a few weeks ago and that exact topic came up and I was talking to my wife about it and she's like, and I was telling her like, oh, passionate people are so passionate about everything. Um, and it was, it was just funny. She was like, you're, but you're so, she's a dentist as well. She's like, you're so OCD about your dentistry and you know, your, your margin being perfect, your matrix being perfect, your rubber dam being perfect. She's like, why don't you just like pick up after yourself at home? Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, like, yeah. I, I, guilty, I guilty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. So, yes and yes and no. Yes and no. But right now, it's for me, it's all about the business, building that, building our patient base. And so it's all still related to dentistry, but it's all those little facets. You know, I'm passionate about photography and dentistry and passionate about the business and patient experience side of dentistry. And it's there's so many facets to dentistry, and that's why it's so cool, because you get wow. to do lots of little things as well. Wow. And um, you, um, you already told that Johan, uh, that you, you, you met each other through Instagram and Johan slid in your DM. Um, so so that's, the, that's how you met each other, but you're, you're currently giving courses together and you even start, uh, start the ACDP, the, uh, the Australasian College of Dental Practitioners. Um, uh, when did you decide uh, to start courses? How and when did, did it start? How did it start, Brett? How did we start wanting to teach? Um, I think probably, I think going back to how we met, Johan literally messaged me on Facebook years ago. It would have been, I don't know how long ago, maybe six years ago now. Um, I asked you about a case, didn't I? Or maybe it was about Kings or something. Yeah, I think you asked me about Kings. I think yeah, you were interested yeah. in starting Kings at the time. And you realized that I was currently doing, doing it. So you spoke about that. As far as the sort of courses go, I think it kind of got to the point where we were, I guess we were really quite active on Facebook as well. We had like a group where we were posting a lot of cases and um, there's a lot of interaction and we were spending a lot of time, I guess, mentoring people and, and trying to um, somewhat, you know, help and facilitate other people's learning. And it got to a point where I guess we had enough interest where people just really did want to learn from us. And it kind of, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not sure how it started, but we... I guess Johan and I sort of wrote a course together. We did, um, we trialed it actually on all our associates and a couple of close friends who came to the course for the first one, just to see if we had something that was of interest that people would get something out of. And we had some really great feedback. And um, since then, I'm not sure how many courses we've done now, but it's been, it's been really quite exciting. We've had, we've sort of evolved our course from a one day hands-on composite course to a two day um, hands-on composite course and um, ACDP is amazing and it's really cool to have heard Johan talk about how Chris was one of his inspirations and now Chris is the lead for um, ACDP he's gone from you know looking up to someone to now working alongside someone delivering you know a course which, which we hope is going to be really quite amazing in Australia um, so I can't I don't know how it, I don't know how it originated Johan do you do you recall how this all started or 
I think it was a natural progression. I think it was, you know, we would, we, we, you know, had this mindset of trying to do good dentistry and, you know, people were interested to, you know, learn about it. So I thought, you know, I think we both thought, you know, why don't we share it to a, you know, to a bigger audience and actually be able to devote sufficient time to, you know, to be able to teach it properly. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, now that we are running courses, I think, you know, it's, it's so humbling that people are, you know, actually coming to learn from us. You know, there are so many great clinicians out there and yet, you know, we have these people, you know, who want to come and learn so i think it's you know we've got to, I, I always feel as though it's a huge responsibility and you know no matter how many times we do the courses i'm always very nervous you know not with what i'm going to present but you know nervous about you know the responsibility of being able to share what i need to share and you know give them as much value as they you know as they can receive so and i think bryce the same in that regard hmm. And, uh, and um, uh, well, I can relate to to what you said um, uh, that it's always um, uh, uh, a burden. It's not a good it's not a good word, but yeah, you feel responsible. And people pay money, and they pay usually a lot of money to come to you for a day or for two days. And you always mm-hmm. want to live up to it. And if I look at myself, I always feel that I need to improve my course every time and i need to update my lecture but then again you are coming for the first time so you don't know what i've what i've said before so i can there are some there are some courses uh around holland that are giving the same lectures for over five years now and it's it's totally fine but for me i always feel some sort of responsibility to update and to be better and every course has to be another 10 percent better uh just to give people value for uh, value for for money but yeah sometimes it's a burden but on the other hand um, um, you're being so rewarded in uh, the reactions of people and uh, but but sometimes I also also feel for example Freak and I we we want to do something with biomimetics and we're going to do a posterior course as as well um, but then again I just feel a little bit frightened that I if I do I tell them the the right things the, the correct protocols because I don't want to be responsible for somebody doing something that isn't okay and yeah that's with rubber dam that i think it's less than with something like uh, composite or porcelain so yeah that's uh you have yeah but you guys have the blessing from the master right you guys are already <laughs> have the master's blessing so it's fine it's true it's true yeah <laughs> that's that's uh yeah that's true hey, and if we look at uh <laughs> and if we look at the acdp what are your what are your plans going forward is it something that you want to do on a monthly basis or even more are you going to work less and give more lectures and and uh, uh, and courses or how do you want to progress i don't think i'm ever going to work less i think it's I think I work four days a week now and I think it's important to be involved in patient care. I think that's, that's so important. That's like, yeah. that's a basis of what we do. That's what we signed up I to. Agree. Yeah. Um, and that's why we did dentistry. It wasn't to teach or, or do anything like that. So um, I don't think I'll ever work less. I mean, we've got, I think we had five or six composite courses scheduled this year mm-hmm. that are also going ahead. They're just being rescheduled due to COVID um and i think that's probably sort of what we're sort of looking at going forward is doing that and then we've got i guess a lot of time responsibility with acdp happening next year as well so that diploma course is going to be a big part of next year we probably have about 20 days 
dedicated to that, just, just teaching on that. And then also the mentoring that comes with that. So it's, I think we, I've sort of, I feel like I, I'm not sure I'm going to take on too much more at this point. It's already, it's already with it, you know, running a business, seeing patients, mm-hmm. planning, all the mentoring that comes with teaching as well. I think it's, it's quite time consuming. There's only so many hours in the day. Like I can't, I need to still be able to post on Instagram. Otherwise what's yeah. the point, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I worked for, uh, I worked five days a week for the past five years and I reached, I recently quit on Fridays. So I work four days a week now just to have more time for karma, for my own courses, because I was working, I was treating patients five days a week, every evening, every weekend. It was only dented, only dented dentistry, making presentations, Instagram, writing articles, etc. So I, uh, deliberately, took a step back and said, okay, I'm going to treat patients one, uh, uh, one day less in a week just to have, uh, create also a bit of free time because otherwise I don't, I don't see it, uh, um, being successful in the, in the next couple of years because I will, yeah, I will be too busy and I don't have a social life anymore. Yeah. And, and, and for me also, if I work, well, I, I work five days now, um, and on the Fridays I, sometimes i'm it's just i'm really done it's like you have this long treatments again and then you think oh my god i'm not looking forward to it when you work for four days or there was a time i even did only three i think for the first year two and a half two and a half don't (laughs) lie it was the first the first two years i worked for three days a week i think and um and um and then it's way more easy to give uh, all your efforts during for every case and and of course we are we 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 are dentists and we 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 should be helping as many patients as possible but on the other hand it's sometimes it's good to focus a bit more on or to be able to focus more i i i i cannot focus equally uh well when I work five days, I, I, I just found out because yeah. So I'm looking forward to the, to the time where I work four days again. And, and I like to have some time for my other hobbies as well, because I'm not doing anything else except dentistry. So during the, during the lockdown, um, I, I, I was drawing again. I drawing has been a, like, like this big passion during my whole, whole life and but you're a drawing teeth so yeah, i still I actually only stopped when i became a dentist <laughs> so um yeah i like to have some time for other things as well <laughs> yeah and um um uh, as some people may not know is that is that Barat is living in Melbourne and he's working on the Gold Coast. And we talked about it before in our uh, our before chat. And um, it's like 1,700 kilometers apart. So that's like the same living in Holland and working in the Ukraine. That's how crazy it is. Um, Johan, do you live uh, do you do you do you live close to your practice or do you also have to have to travel a lot? Plane. <laughs> so, so I uh, live a three minute walk away from my practice. Awesome. Because I hate driving to work. It's just a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. And Barat, why yeah. did you decide to, to, to keep, to, to live in Melbourne and work 1700 uh, uh, kilometers away? Because it's also a, a, a huge social impact. You don't see your wife for uh, three to four days a week. 
Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely hard. So I've been doing I've been doing this commute for two and a half years, and it really was just born from it's 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 complicated in the sense that I grew up in Melbourne, and then I moved to Queensland or, or the Gold Coast for me, and then um, just after I graduated, you know, met my wife and we and we just stayed here. I think the big thing that ties to the Gold Coast is is our business you know we've got um we've, we've got our practice and that's such a big part of my life I kind of call it it's like it's like my baby um the practice and we decided about two and a half years ago that we wanted to live in Melbourne again you know all our families there our friends are there um, a lot of people I grew up with are all in Melbourne so it kind of became this compromise of okay how do we live in Melbourne but then still retain the practice and I, and I love my patients as well this sort of mature patient base now that I've been seeing some of them for six seven eight you know nine years it's so hard to s- separate that as well it's it sounds crazy but it, it's really not that hard you know pre-covid it almost became like catching an uber getting on a plane like it wasn't it wasn't that difficult you spend you know I, I know some people travel more driving to work than I would have a week but the hardest thing is yeah being away from home three nights a week yeah but that's how I sort of I balanced it you know I work four days a week I fly in, in the morning that I start and then fly back as soon as I finish on Friday um, which means I'm only ever away three nights a week I'm still in yeah. Melbourne four nights a week so psychologically it still somewhat works yeah and honestly you know you guys sort of spoke about how dentistry is all consuming and you're always doing dentistry and you're always doing things for me, it was actually really nice because it gave me geographical separation from the practice. And it's exactly right. Like right now, it's Saturday night and because I'm stuck up in the Gold Coast now because Victoria's gone into lockdown, look where I am. I'm in the surgery. Um, so when, you know, I, I can't do that when I'm in Melbourne. No. But when I'm here, I'm just tempted. I just walk to the surgery and annoy everyone. I'm just there for no reason. I'm not even doing anything. But I just, I just want to be there to see how everything's going. Is everything no. working like the way we want it to? So it was good. And, and if you're and if you are at home, do you also um, don't do any dentistry anymore? So you don't go on Instagram and just try to keep away as it as much as possible, or are you still? Uh, that's, uh, the, getting... that's, that's the that's the intention. Yeah, it doesn't um, work that way. Yeah, not not all not always. I think yeah. No, I, I tried. I try to do less. Yeah. Yeah. In the weekends, which is which is good. Okay. And I really appreciate like my my staff are amazing. They don't they don't call me on the weekends. They don't call me on Monday. They they manage to sort things out okay. themselves. Okay, really that's cool. great. Yeah, and um, but 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 you could you recently sold your house. You could go live on the Gold Coast and just fly back every every month or so for a long weekend, and you can still see your family and your friends. And it would be, I think, it would be cheaper for you. It will be less time consuming, in my opinion. But yeah, I'm not in your shoes. But um. yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. It's. Yeah, the next few years will be interesting. But it, but it also really depends on what you're doing while you're traveling, right? It, like I, like Johan mentioned, I, I really, I really hate uh, driving, driving to the practice. Like I, I always take the train, and some some colleagues think I'm crazy. And but in the train, I can read, I can, I can sometimes even sleep a little. <laughs> but but I can I can do all kinds of stuff. Well. Or when you're driving by car, like uh, an hour, uh, if, if you have, if 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 you drive uh, by car to your work every day for one hour, um, f- uh, forth and back, then you lose two hours a day. 
if you, I yeah. can imagine if you if you take the the train to the to the airport and if you fly, you can you can do you can you can um, you can still um, work. Yeah. You can still do. Yeah, you can still effectively uh, use your time traveling. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely try to do that. I think that's it's it's actually quite valuable that sort of two two and a half hours each way every week. I, there's no internet. There's no distractions. Yeah, exactly. No Instagram. Literally sit down and, and do the stuff that you're meant to do during the week and um, try and get through it. And that's always my goal is to try and sort of you know tie up all the loose ends at the end of the week and then try not to focus on dentistry or um, the business over the weekend if I can if I can avoid it. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, I think that that were actually uh, all the questions we had for today. Uh, do you guys have any questions for us that you can think of? How do we get so good at dentistry? What's the secret? Teach us. Practice, practice, you practice. You've got to be more biomimetic for it. Then you'll be good. Uh, Johan is actually being really biomimetic, right? Yeah. But I have no grasp of the literature, boys. This is just uh, YOLO. YOLO, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> we, we, uh, we talked about it before, and you said I was crazy for doing such a course. Um, but then again, when I, when I look at your page, it's becoming more and more biomimetic. So actually, uh, it was some kind of inspiration, I guess, uh, from the people around you that are doing biomimetic dentistry, because I, I see it, I see it way more often than I, than I used to see it, or maybe my eyes are more open to it could be the same, but I don't know. I think, I think, I think the influence you guys have on people around the world, you know, can't be understated. You know, you guys probably inspire way more people than you guys can even realize, you know, and myself and Barat included, are, you know, always inspired by, you know, your work. So, you know, I think that's, you know, that's a great thing. You know, who knew we would be doing a podcast with, you know, two great guys from the Netherlands today. You know, it's, it's amazing, you know, what it's done. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, what the future is going to, you know, bring for all of us. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And when I when I when I look at um, uh, when we go back to the biomimetic, um, uh, you were saying some, most people aren't interesting in literature, aren't interested in literature. I agree with that, but I think in some way we should we should give them some sort of guidance, reference where they can find it for this for themselves. So if I look at a post of mine, I don't often name the literature, but sometimes I I do. And I don't, and I do it. So if you want to know more about, for example, me, the dentist ceiling, look up this paper and then you will know it. And I won't, I'm not going to tell you if you ask me, how should I do it? I say, read that, read that paper. And it makes my life easier and it mm -hmm. makes their, their life better because they read the whole article instead of me saying it in like three words and say, okay, you need to do this, this, and this, because it doesn't make any sense. Just giving the recipe without any of the backstory. Yeah. The challenge will be to get Brat to become biomedic. He's a bioesthetic dentist, not a biomedic dentist. Aren't you, Brat? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't know where you get that information from, but I think I'm, I'm pretty biomedic. Oh, yo, why, why the hate? What's going on? Uh, pe people, people are coming for the bands, Brat. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there should be like a crossover course between the four of us with Martin ripping into Freak, you yeah. ripping into me. Awesome. It'd be quite an entertaining course. Yeah. Big Freak band together to yeah, gang up on YouTube. That's what's going to happen after that. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> well, well, you know, at, at least you, you know you are you're good friends because otherwise you won't, uh, <laughs> you, you won't be like that to each other. 
Ja. <lacht> oh. Maybe um, beat Gardam next year if anyone wants to sign up to my composite course. No, Johan, we'll um, yeah, send out the links later. <laughs> awesome. We will put it in the, in the, in the podcast notes. Yeah, right. We will do that. Okay, guys, I want to thank you for this awesome podcast. It was a pleasure talking to you. Um, um, uh, it, it would be uh, it would be nice if, if there's if uh, in some way we we could we could meet in the future. I already met Barat last year, but it would be nice if we could do some sort of meet up with everybody that's that's in our group. It would be awesome to it's finally see you in person instead of all the online uh, stuff. So thank you very much for today, um, and I hope to and I hope to, to see you soon. Bye. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Bye, guys. Bye, guys.